Welcome to Bruin Family Insights, where we equip Bruin families with knowledge to help you get to know UCLA better and encourage your student to thrive during their time at UCLA and beyond. I'm your host, Kayla Albano, and we've got a very relatable chat lined up for you today. I'm excited to have with me Dr. Michelle Cooley-Strickland, mom to a class of 2023 Bruin, and Diana Mendoza, mom to a Bruin graduating in 2022. Both Michelle and Diana also happen to be members of our UCLA Parents Council leadership team, and Michelle is also a licensed psychologist with UCLA Geffen School of Medicine. Today we'll hear from both Michelle and Diana as they reflect on being a Bruin parent in the time of COVID-19. Diana and Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to hear your perspectives on this time in yours and your students' lives. Thank you for having us. We're so excited that uh, this is Bruin Insights 2021. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. So excited. Well, before we dive into our juicy conversation, um, we always like to start our listeners off with some UCLA trivia to ponder. Today's question is actually all about our parents' council, which you two are a part of, as we've mentioned. Uh, But the question is, in what year did the UCLA parents' council officially begin? So not going to put you two on the spot and ask you to answer, but... We will uh, give the answer to our listeners at the end of the episode. Great, great. And then hopefully they'll be enticed to uh, apply and become uh, members of the Parents Council because it's really outstanding. What a way to contribute. Love that plug, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The following segment of the Bruin Family Insights podcast is brought to you by Westcom Credit Union. Serving Southern California for over 85 years, Westcom Credit Union is dedicated to helping Bruins and their families build better lives. Learn more at ucla.westcom.org. So the past year has been quite a journey for UCLA students and really college students worldwide as they have navigated remote education uh, and a lot of the challenges and opportunities that come with being remote. So this season on Bruin Family Insights, we've heard a lot of perspectives from students and faculty about college in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And now I'm really excited to explore what this experience has meant to the parents supporting our students. And with that said, I just wanna dive into a chat with you two about what went through your mind when UCLA moved to remote learning in March. And then again, each time we learned uh, each following quarter that we would be remote, which at this point is now through the summer quarter at this time. Um, So Diana, let's start with you. What was that like for you? Well, I'm a parent of a performing arts department. And so the first thing was, how is an actor going to do online courses? That was the first thought. But, um, and then, you know, there's always a little bit of the morning of your child having to come back, right? Um, towards the end of her sophomore year and coming back home. And that wasn't the plan. So truly is sitting with the idea of having to pivot, right? To pivot um, our plans, to pivot the, what we were going to do. So UCLA has an amazing job for the performers and still keeping them on track with their acting classes. And, uh, and every time we did learn that there was going to be the next 
quarter online, you know, it was less and less of, of like sorrow. It was it started to become, and, and again, they're doing such a great job that uh, we haven't really, my student hasn't really missed yet um, her, I would say technique classes as of yet. Of course, we all want to be back on campus, but you do a little bit of morning and then you do pivoting. And I think what my student has learned is the art of pivoting. I basically um, repeat a lot of what Diana just said. We have a lot of similarities, Diana and I, my daughter is a visual arts major. So you um, have selected two of us who represent very hands-on majors and it poses a unique challenge. Listening though to other parents whose students are not hands-on or, or maybe the lab sciences, those are very hands-on. The question was, how are they going to learn in this environment? Because one of the, the hallmarks of a college education is the interactive nature of both peer-to-peer, peer-to-professor, peer-to-stranger on campus, you know, and, and so it's really a, a a very interactive experience. So focusing specifically on the classroom was not the first thing that I was thinking about. I was thinking about the social, emotional, and academic impact that this would have not only on my daughter, Alicia, but also on the rest of the campus. And I'm on faculty. Uh, And so thinking about the entirety of the situation and going on campus, um, it's just like a ghost town. It's like the soul, the spirit, is gone. And what's interesting, it's just the buildings are the same, the grass is still green. But what makes it eerie is that the people and that's what makes the difference. And so when when it was announced that UCLA was moving to remote learning, number one, it, it wasn't a huge surprise given watching if you watched the news for for five minutes at all, in January, in February, I guess, you'd know that some kind of change had to take place and the university is very responsive and health conscious. And we in LA are held to a higher standard really because of um, the Department of Health and the concerns in the greater city. So it's not just about our students and what our students can handle. They're very responsible and as Diana said, can pivot and adjust. They wouldn't be admitted to UCLA if they were anything less than brilliant and able to adjust to whatever whatever tasks have been placed on them. But it's also about, oh man, I guess I better buy more chicken and toilet paper. <laughs> like there are gonna be more folks in the house. Um, but frankly, you know, I love my children and uh, I was thinking, all right, well, I won't be home alone. Um, which is an upside for them where they might be saying, oh, darn, I won't be home alone. You know, the dorm room is a very different environment than, uh, you know, the room they left to go to college. Absolutely. That more chicken and toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great one. Uh, Well, you know, you mentioned what this was like for you all, what went through your minds. You shared a little bit about what your students' concerns were, um, but how did they each handle the transition initially and how are they doing now? What What is this looking like for them? So I think, you know, my student is someone who has pre, pre-planned her 
four years at UCLA. So um, change is something that did, doesn't come easy, right, for, for her. So um, there was initially just let's get home. This is going to be over soon. We'll be back on campus by fall. And as the weeks, you know, went by, the less and less idea of going back was that was going to happen. So there was some anxiety. There was some depression. And so we had to really work through that, right? What, what does that really mean? Um, you're not going to have the junior year that you thought you were going to have. And again, this is where what Michelle has said, our students who are brilliant, who go to UCLA, they know how to adapt and change. And I think, um, and pivot. And so again, my student is now really pivoting and using the, her time wisely into being okay with that change in the pivot. And so, I mean, there is, there was that anxiety and depression in the beginning, but now where we are now and today, um, there's a blessing to have been able to come home. And I don't know if she'd be having some of the opportunities she's having right now, had we not been in this situation, you know, she's, uh, her online classes are fine and she has a little bit of extra time to do other things. So it started out as anxiety, depression, and now to we're good, we're fine, we're getting through. I, w- I would again say the same. It's it's it was that readjustment and the shift in understanding that the horizon that you had known to be what you would be following was no longer the case, and so that that shift, that pivot, involved some mourning because there was a loss of those experiences that you anticipated and look forward to. But again, the university being as outstanding as it is, equipped the faculty, the professors with tools to help pivot as well, to provide as as, as great of an experience as they could, as seamless as possible. And that, you know, when you're when you're trying to help people to to make difficult change, you need leadership and a place to 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 um, some something to set your sights on. So the faculty and the administration set their sights. They provided laptops or you know um, resources for under resourced folks, uh, and they also turned to us. So we as parents had to buck up too, and we are used to doing that um, to to provide supports to our kids, you know, students. Whereas we might not have, and that took some personal growth too, because here we were already planning to make a, a, you know, a hobby room out of that empty bedroom. (laughs) You know, we had to shift as well, but this, this, as Diana was saying, turning this into a growth opportunity. And on my podcast, I had a, um, a mother and a daughter the mom is 93 and, um, she's she's Paul McCartney's former stepmother. And uh, she talked about when she was a kid, she dropped out of school in um, late elementary school because the British, because the Great War, um, World War II, and they'd closed the schools because it wasn't safe. And she never went back. And what I asked her, well, so how was that? She said, well, we were, 
Oh, don't let me get my British accent on. Um, oh, I'm not your daughter, Diana. I'm no, I'm no thespian. Um, but she was saying, you know, we we were all in it together. It was happening to everybody. So what really wasn't that traumatic from a kid's point of view, you know? And she ended up writing three books. She's on her third book, and she's been she's prolific, and she's she's so interesting. But that collective experience everybody was going through it that's different from uh like acute trauma whereas you're the only one going through it and the rest of the world is acting normally um there is an element that i would say though too that adds a level of of difficulty for our students in that some of their peers like for my daughter alicia some of her classmates are are at at school they're not they're not UCLA students. They're at their campuses. They're in their classes. They are not here to socialize. So that adds a, a level of difficulty. But guess what? Hey, mom's free. What do you want to do? Um, so uh, <laughs> you can take that as a bonus or as a, a punishment. <laughs> right. That's a, that's what we've heard from quite a few of our parents. It's like, well, I'm here to spend time with you. You're here to spend time with me. We have this opportunity now. Well, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what you've learned about parenting a college student in this past year or how those dynamics have changed for your family. Um, so have you, has your approach changed at all to how your relationship with your college student has been or have you, have you shifted, uh, shifted anything based on them being back home with you or seeing them more, engaging with them more? And Diana, you have a big old smile on your face. I'm just, I'm, I'm dying because nothing has changed in my parenting. <laughs> you still have to clean your room when you're home. <laughs> my daughter, Alexander turned 20, you know, during the pandemic or we're still in the pandemic. And I think it, my only parenting change has been um, just to be a better listener and to be understanding that she's missed out, like Michelle says, on experiences she was supposed to go to Lambda in London mm. fall. And that was a huge, huge heartbreak. Um, and so I, we, you know, we had to cry about it and we had to just go through that moment. Um, but it really, my parenting hasn't changed much. I mean, I also have an eight-year-old. So yeah, I we still got to clean your room when you come home. And she's back, you know, near UCLA in Westwood. So she's still kind of getting a little bit like, you know, with her friends and her roommates a little bit. But when she does come home, uh, nothing's changed. We've had some change because I'm naturally a helicopter parent. And uh, that I had to recognize, OK, she's she's different she's different and um, her expectations are different. So we had to have some communication. I mean, just be having clear rules and that are understood about living at home again, because coming and going without saying anything, which is not typically what she does, but it, it just what, what the expectations are. Yeah. Um, and the laundry and dishes, just household things. But also my husband gave her a car that allowed her, then, then we saw kind of a release of the valve because she felt no longer trapped, like having to ask to do things. She could just go, mom, I'm going to, or I'll get a text or I'm hanging out with, and, and she had a very small, you know, a social group, basically one person, um, you know, because of COVID. 
but it would even going to the mall or getting her own food that she wants in the grocery store because she didn't want my chicken. You know, it's just whatever you could do to to loosen the valve uh, a little bit. And then that way there's they feel like they have that autonomy that they had been living and getting back some of the rights and privileges that they had earned by virtue of being college students. I feel like I need to change the title of this podcast to She Didn't Want My Chicken, Parenting During a Global Pandemic. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, well, I want to I circle back a little bit because... I know each of you have really, really great areas of expertise, even in the work that you do every day when it comes to, you know, how our students are communicating and dealing with their mental health and all of this. And Michelle, you had already touched a little bit on the difference in this kind of communal trauma versus acute trauma or individual experiences. And you mentioned already that you're on faculty, you are a researcher in psychology at UCLA and psychologist at UCLA. So you have a lot of, I think, a lot of great things to share with our parents from the mental health perspective on this pandemic. Um, So what are one or two takeaways that you've had regarding mental health and the pandemic? And what might you suggest to our listeners uh, when it comes to maintaining their own mental health and that of their students? So I know that was kind of a lot in one, but would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And and do it in in 20 seconds or less. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Well, understand, really reflect on the truly accurate state of where you are as a parent and where your student is and the rest of your family, whoever you consider a family living, you know, intimately uh, together, because there's an intersection of stress, like I call it the intersectional super highway. It's based on a a theoretical framework, but um, you have gender age issues, um, race, religion, economic status, all these things, um, sexual orientation, if that's you, and think about how that intersection, the more, the more layers that you have, the more burdensome it may be. And so look not just at, oh, she's, he's a college student, or, oh, I'm uh, a parent of three kids who are in the house and look at, look at your particular situation and really analyze and don't look at it from the, I should be super human and handle all of this. Think of it more of, of the mythical Greek demigod Atlas holding up the earth on the shoulders. And sometimes that piling up makes it feel like we are holding it, but, but that doesn't happen overnight, you don't go from scot-free to feeling like that, that level of burden. It's a gradual buildup. And so because it's a gradual buildup, you don't recognize how much weight you are carrying. So my recommendation is to take a full self-assessment of what's going great, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? What's going great? And do that for today. Don't do it from back in March when the, when the pandemic started. Do it today because you've made some adjustments. As Diana said, there's some great things that have come out of it, but don't, don't miss the ones that are chipping away at your strength. So do a full self-assessment and then address the things that need to be addressed and be sure to keep the things that you like that changed. I mean, my favorite, not driving. I mean, the amount of road time that I had 
logging in before March 13, 2020, 2019, no, 2020, was just uh, mind boggling. And so just think about you know, the good, the bad, and ugly, and what you want to maintain. And I recommend that that's done for each family member because some folks are not okay. Some students are not okay. Some caregivers are not okay. And it takes some evaluation and a good hard look to find out who is whom. And acting like folks are okay does not make it get better. Some, some, some people are gonna need some outside assistance and the university and your office, Kayla, really has inroads to a lot of resources that I recommend that you use. And whether you're here in Westwood or whether you're in Westchester, New York or um, West China, I don't know, because we have students all over the place, all over the world, there are supports that you can invoke, but, but do that, that self-assessment about the good, the bad and the ugly and, um, and do something about it. Don't, don't, don't ignore it. Yeah. So a lot of people are not okay. It's okay to not be okay, but do your self-assessment for you and your family so that you can identify what it is that everybody needs. Right. Right. And, and okay. So that's one, you said two, you know, I'm long-winded Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us Michelle. Um, But two, have fun. Don't forget to have fun for Pete's sake. These are still the best years my saying is don't let your best years be behind you. So these are great years, make them great years. These are not a wash, have fun, rediscover a hobby. Eating is not a hobby, cooking is a hobby. I know some of our our college students can get hibernating in their rooms. They need fresh air. Every human being needs fresh air. Even if it's just to in between classes to walk to the front door and take a deep breath and then close the door and go back to your hidey hole. It doesn't just, you need fresh air, you need some physical exercise, you need some balance, and you need good sleep, which means do not lie in the bed and take your classes online. I think that's that's great advice universally. I, I feel the difference when I get outside and walk my dog. Now, granted, she is expecting it every day, every morning now. It is like clockwork, but that, that is so helpful. Uh, and I was laughing at your cooking versus eating because I cook Michelle, but then I eat it. So it's a struggle, but it is, it does bring joy for sure. Uh, Tupperware in the freezer that helps beat the guilt. Cause you don't want to throw it away, but you just make a portion and uh, stick it in Tupperware in the freezer. And there's always food port pantries. There's so many homeless right now. Food. I uh, just, I'm telling you Tupperware and um, just say, would you like some food? bam, makes you feel good. Good idea. Thank you for that one. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that, that feedback and that advice uh, in that realm. And Diana, I do want to turn to you because I know you have a background in communications and a few different spaces, but I, I was curious whether you feel social media has benefited students' ability to connect with each other and the university during the pandemic. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, has it brought any challenges? Yeah, so this is the interesting part when we start talking about acute trauma and stuff. So I will say social media wise, you know, we were all doing it at the same time. We were all, you know, quarantined together. Everyone's life was not pretty anymore on social media. We're all wearing sweats. We were all gaining weight. We were all eating. We were doing all the same things. 
collectively, right? So you started to see that, you know, even the celebrities in those who, you know, in, in Hollywood doing the same thing, they're at home, they're bored, everyone's watching Netflix or whatever. So in that sense, I would say our students seeing other, you know, a majority of other people in around the world at their age doing the same thing. So you felt like you were together in this, as they would say, we're all in it together, right? And then the, the flip side, I would say, is that social media slash watching too much um, stream TV uh, made us more lazy. I mean, I, I, I you know, uh, how many shows did people watch or are still watching and binging? And then you go down that black hole of TikTok. <laughs> and, and though some of those TikToks are really funny, you spend hours and hours and hours on social media, um, streaming TV shows. And then, then you don't, um, you don't go outside. And like Michelle said, no, you don't get fresh air. And then you, all you do is, is eat, right? So there's, I would say the good, bad, and the ugly within that realm as well, social media. But, you know, the, the primary point is that our, the social media has allowed our children, our children, I still call them children, right? Because they're still my babies, to see that they weren't alone in this journey and, and they're not. And though some students are back in their universities, um, but they're, their friends at UCLA um, and even across town are still doing this. So, and that feeling like you're not alone in your, um, in your life, in your journey, in your college journey um, is helpful. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of our student organizations have been trying to utilize social media for a good, right. To keep students connected and, and to help them to feel that relationship with each other still. Uh, but I think there is that constant battle. And I think, again, there's so many things that our students experience right now, but are also just universal where we're all in this battle between wanting to stay connected to other people when we can't physically be together, but also wanting to take care of our minds and our bodies and not be looking at a screen all day. So it really is a juggling act between those two things. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, in our students, this generation, you know, that's how they connect through social media. Um, most of them do not pick up the phone and actually talk. Um, they text or they send Snapchats or they send little clips of videos. And so it is their way of communicating. And so it's, it has been great in that sense. But then again, too much screen time, need to get out, need to do things. Definitely. You both have already given so much great advice and tidbits and thoughts throughout this conversation. But I did want to specifically hone in on parents and family members who may be struggling right now to balance supporting their student while also recognizing their autonomy and their adulthood. And, and maybe Michelle, since you did touch on it a little earlier, uh, do you have any other specific things that you've, you've learned or would like to share? Communication. You've got to sit down and have face-to-face -face discussions with your Bruin about what it is that they think they need and how they are feeling and what would help them from their perspective. And then take that information and then develop some kind of plan, whether it's a, a literal one, which is, listen, we want you to be a part of the family because you're here. We want you to be a part of the family. We know that you would otherwise under normal circumstances would not be here. But since you're here, your little brother and your little sister are looking up to you and you not coming out of your room except to use the restroom or, or grab a meal and take it to your room isn't okay. 
Um, so what maybe we could talk about minimum expectations, maybe Sunday dinner or, or th this kind of sit down. I mean, really, that's not that discussion we have in my house because it's a different situation. But whatever the circumstance is, it can always be better and ask them, what do they need from you? And you exchange what you need from them and you develop and it, it, it's, a, it's communication because it goes back to what I said about a self-assessment. Once you do those assessments, then you need to improve whatever the circumstance is. Maybe they, they, they need some help getting a part-time job because they need to get out of the house. That helped my daughter. So we helped her get a, a part-time job, which it's not even that many hours, but the fact is she has to put bottoms on that coordinate with the top and uh, a little bit, you know, some makeup and some shoes. That's, that's, you know, it did, it did miracles. So it's, it's that discussion, have that discussion. And some of our, our families too, you have to consider are having extraordinary resource demands so that maybe they have an economic impact, maybe they've had losses due to COVID or some kind of other just natural loss of family. And so checking in, how are you doing? What do you need? How can I help you? And please ask me the same questions and let's work together because we are all together in this, regardless of, of, of what our challenges or, or um, successes are. I would just add um, in the realm of communication, it's okay to seek outside help, professional help, and it's okay to tell your student, if I, as a parent, can't help you, let's find the modality that will help you, right? Whether that is a therapist. And UCLA has those resources that they can tap into, or at least they will help you and guide you to find the right person to help you, whether that is, I mean, anything, um, whether you need a therapist or you need a doctor or whatever it is. And like Michelle said, communication. And I love what you said, Michelle, about, I'm going to ask you these questions, but please ask me as well. Mm -hmm. Because as parents, sometimes when your student says, Hey mom, how are you today? Is your day going? Okay. That right there, everything else is gone. That right there to me is gold. And so, and then it's like, oh yeah, whatever I was feeling just went away because my student just asked me, oh, how, how was this doing? So I, I love that, Michelle. That was, that's exactly how, how it good, is in our house. Good. And, and, and I love how you emphasize Diana to, to get the outside resources if necessary. I mean, you know, that can be, that can be anything from a personal trainer to a, uh, a pastor or a rabbi or a meditation coach or a um, therapist or a group therapist. Um, sometimes I recommend that maybe what folks need isn't one-on-one -on -one individual therapy. Maybe get together some, a few folks who are in a similar condition that you are and chip in together and hire a, group, a therapist for a group therapy session. I mean, if, if 10 of you got together and chipped in, it would be very affordable. Um, look on the back of your, your insurance card for the mental health number that's separate from a, when you're calling for a physical health issue. See what your coverage is. Um, if you still have UShip uh, Health, you have another level of care. But there, 
you know, CAPS or, or RISE might not be the right fit for you as part of UCLA resources, but there are other resources to certainly pull on. And just because you use it in the immediate or the short term does not reflect that for the rest of your life, you're going to need a therapist. No, a lot of these issues are, are acute issues. They, they are for right now. So get some help for right now. And then boom, you're on your way again. Yes. And we will be sure to link to some of the uh, campus resources that we've alluded to in our conversation. Uh, And as always, as Michelle mentioned earlier, for any of you who are listening who don't know where to start for those campus resources, um, our office is a great place to just start, come to us. We will help you and your student get connected to the right resources. So we'll make sure all of that information is in our show notes. As we start to wrap up our time together, I want to get us uh, thinking a little bit more about the future and uh, just family in general uh, as we close our time. So what does give you hope right now, both as a parent and just as an individual experiencing a global pandemic? So those two things, your your parent hat, but also your human hat. What, What gives you hope right now? And Diana, let's start with you. Um, well, you know, I, I, my life is based on hope, right? That tomorrow will always be better. The sun will come out. The light will always come out. So that is just ingrained in me. So as um, just as a human, um, you know, look, the vaccines are on their way and there's hope in that. Um, I have hope for humanity and we've seen some of the things that have, have happened in pandemic. And so I hope that we will continue to rise to the occasion and help um, our fellow brothers and sisters that are in, in a lots of need right now. And that we, this will be, we will all be okay. And as a parent, my hope is that we're all back in school in the fall, you know, more than anything, that's what I wish and hope for is that our students will be back on campus to continue their college journey and hope that our, you know, the staff will be back and, and that roaring, roaring campus that is just truly magical. So there, we, we need to stand in hope no matter what, that um, there is light at the end. Beautiful, Diana. Beautiful. Um, I concur. I, I, I live my life and I, and I've raised my children to live their lives to focus not on happiness, but on joy happiness depends on on what's happening now the current circumstance joy is much more deep long standing and important in the sense that it gives you perspective on life and i know and by profession as a psychologist that the greatest amount of change occurs during challenge And we have all, every one of us been challenged in this period. And it, in it, and remember, I talked about intersectional framework. So it's not just the pandemic that the threat of, of potentially developing COVID, but it is the societal changes, the, the women's movement, um, race relations, ethnicity, immigration, those kinds of issues have been a huge battle over this past year at the same time as the pandemic. The 
fact is that we are being tested and I and I bring us back to to World War II in terms of that generation came overcame and became such huge contributors to our society and continue to motivate us that's who I believe we are creating in this time of challenge these super capable motivated and appreciative young people because prior to this one of the hallmarks was one of the, the the negative labels was entitlement. They felt so entitled. And so you would observe them. They were entitled that I should have this just because I'm me. Everyone's a winner. Everybody gets a trophy. But entitlement that had the rug got pulled under, from under them because they're, you know, all the things that they had earned and not received. That has been an, a, a wake, an awakening that I think that um, brings us great hope for how they will bounce on the other side and just be phenomenal human beings for the rest of their lives. Woo. Taking us to church, the two of you. (laughs) Amen. Well, I always ask this last question to our guests and it is especially uh, wonderful for me to get to ask you two, uh, two of our wonderful volunteers and parents this question. Uh, But what does family mean to you? Well, I'll tell you that it is truly being a mother is the biggest honor of my life. Um, And so my two children, my two daughters, my husband, my parents, thankfully are both still here with us. And my brothers is, is like many, many families, right? It's, it's your everything. It's, you know, what you live for, but my, my children, specifically my daughters, they are the, the greatest joy, as Michelle says, and they're not my happiness. They are the joy of my life, even when I'm yelling at them to clean their rooms. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yes, they're my all. And it, it is being a mother is the honor of my life. I, I can't imagine. So beautiful. Again, listen, we're symbiotic there, Diana. Um, I used to say when I first had Alicia and I had trouble getting pregnant. And so once I finally had her, it's just like my heart walking around outside of my body. And it's just such joy, as you say, but in terms of definition of family, because unlike you, my parents are in heaven. My, um, my husband's parents are in heaven. We've lost quite a few people, not because of COVID, but just because they, they died earlier than what I would say is, is average. Um, I was, I was an adult, but still. So to me, family is this unconditional unbreakable bond that transcends space and time because my parents are my parents, whether I get to see them, touch them, feel them, hear them or not, because they are, they are in that heart of mine, in that soul and embodied in me. And when our students are on campus and not living and eating our chicken, they are somewhere else at the, at, in the dining hall eating somebody else's well-prepared chicken, love that UCLA food, um, that they're still family. It transcends space and time. And so it is, it is and, it, and it transcends bloodlines because there are family members who were not born that way, but the lo- unconditional and unbreakable love makes them family. And so I am honored to be a part of the Bruin family. And uh, thank you, Kayla, for having us on. Yes, thank you, Kayla. 
That was quite a way to wrap this up. And, um, you know, it's not a competition, but that was, I think those are two of my my favorite answers so far. Oh, too. yay. Aww. High five, Diana. Yeah, high five. <laughs> I, I almost wish we were sharing this whole video because the facial expressions, <laughs> the engagement, this was a lively chat. I love that it. That chicken, that chicken. <laughs> it, is, it is the theme for our conversation today. <laughs> Uh, well, as we do close our time up, we still have a trivia question that we need to answer, um, which was how long has the parents council been around? When did it officially begin? So for those of you who have been waiting patiently for the answer to that question, the UCLA parents council began during the 2008-2009 academic year. So the council has now been around for nearly 13 years, and we recently had a big celebration uh, back when you could have big celebrations in honor of the council's 10-year anniversary. And so for those of you who are listening who are interested in learning about getting involved, um, what it means to be on the Parents' Council, you can visit our website. I'll put the Parents' Council webpage in the show notes, but we'll also be recruiting for new members beginning in April. So if you are interested, please keep your eye out for that. Uh, Michelle and Diana are just two of our 160 plus members of this council who I know would be more than happy to talk with you about what that experience is like. So stay tuned for more information on that. But with that, I just want to thank you both so much for your time, uh, for sharing your insights and your vulnerability with us as we've talked about this last year. Uh, we so appreciate all you do for the council, but all the ways that you're just supporting the Bruin family and, and being a part of that with us. So thank you so much. Thank it's an you. honor, truly. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you. You've been listening to Bruin Family Insights, brought to you by the UCLA Parent and Family Association. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Westcom Credit Union. Our guests this week were Dr. Michelle Cooley-Strickland and Diana Mendoza, current Bruin parents and members of the UCLA Parents Council. You can learn more about the Parents Council and check out Michelle and Diana's favorite chicken recipes in the description of this episode. If you enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend, or share your support on social media. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.